You're listening to Marketing News Canada, Canada's number one show featuring the brightest minds in marketing, PR, and digital advertising. Welcome to another episode of Marketing News Canada. I'm your host, Darian. I am so thrilled to introduce you to Scott, who is the co-founder and president of Omni Technologies, a Vancouver startup revolutionizing the way growing brands scale up through supply ops automation. Scott, thank you for being here. Thanks very much for having me, Darian. So the name, you got to tell me about the name. Tell me about what it means or where it came from or the origin story of that, no matter how weird or crazy that is. We got some good advice early on because we were initially going with the name massprotos.com, like mass prototyping. But we were given some good advice to kind of go with a name that didn't mean anything and make it mean something from someone who had gone with a very descriptive name and was in the process of spending an awful lot of money to fix that down the road. And then, you know, so Dan and I, who's also like my co-founder and my dad, we got a little bit of a tech Brady Bunch thing going on. Don't want to hide that. We're kind of brainstorming on it and settled on kind of some BS Latin in that Omne is kind of like the pluralization of like an AE is like a pluralization in Latin and everything is Omni. And it turned out the domain was available and it was eight bucks and it's five letters and three vowels and it's pronounceable. So we went with that and it stuck. That's incredible. So maybe talk to me about just kind of getting into the weeds of it all. Like what sort of business right now are you solving problems for and, and what are you doing? The key market for us is fast growing, fabulous brands. So the simple version of that is if you design stuff and somebody else makes it for you at any level of scale, then you have a problem that we seek to solve, which is making that whole process not be an absolute disaster. And you know, being able to take your released designs, your released engineering and turn it into a solved supply chain and then get that supply chain to make things for you and get them into your warehouse without hiring an army of people and without the risks that are traditionally associated with that whole mess, then we should chat. And all over the news, all over, you name it, people are talking about supply chain issues and, you know, whether, why don't I have my special products in my grocery store? Why don't I have my special products available at Ikea? And and maybe tell Mm -hmm. us how you're able to help people with that stuff. Or maybe that's, you know, if they had had you, what you would have done to solve that problem. Well, there there are ways we can help and ways we can't. So if if your problem is that like boats just aren't sailing or they're super backed up and you can't get a container to move from Shenzhen to Vancouver, we unfortunately can't help you with that. But if you would like to reshore that whole supply line and find a new network of suppliers to build those things for you that are not an ocean away, that's just something we can help you with. We help we we can help people stand up supply chains anywhere in the world, but it also we make it easier to pivot if you need to, say, abandon an entire continent and bring your supply lines back on shore and have that not take forever, not cost a bunch, and have it get stood up and start flowing quickly and reliably, then we can be helpful. That's incredible. So give me kind of the, if you know, what did people do before you? Like, if it, what are people maybe currently doing or maybe in this world and kind of dealing with this? Because this affects everyone from marketing to advertising to mm-hmm. the people that own businesses. And, and what, what is the problem that they're doing now? And, and where do you guys come in? Gotcha. Well, the the way it all works today is essentially just the way the purchasing and supply chain management profession works for everybody, which is lots of people running lots of spreadsheets, writing lots and lots of emails, asking people who's going to make the stuff, how much it costs, and where the stuff is, and why the stuff is no good. Now, the problem with people running spreadsheets and writing emails is that that is a big breakdown point between any kind of business system and the outside world, which means, you know, one, you've got to do everything manually. 
but also the the opportunities for mispecking data, missing things are rampant and the audit trail is impossible. And it just means that, you know, the integration between your supply chain and your internal systems and everything downstream is super manual because like there, there's wonderful systems to take everything from the warehouse to the customer, but there's like nothing to take stuff from the factory to the warehouse, if that makes sense. Totally. So if I've got an idea, like I want to make a widget machine, right? That maybe automates knitting cat sweaters, right? It's a special machine. Tell me about what is, what do, what do I deal with that? Because I think a lot of people are like, well, I'm going to start up a company that, you know, cat sweater machine making company or whatever, right? Because that's, you know, everyone has an entrepreneurial idea. Maybe get into what, what really happens when you're wanting to start a company and what do you really got to deal with? So I don't think most people are aware. The first thing you should really do is make very good friends with an engineer that works on the kind of things that you want to make. Okay. Yes. Like our system picks up when you've got released engineering and you want to figure out who's going to make it. But released engineering is a loaded term because a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll kind of napkin sketch out their idea and then they'll hop on Alibaba and look for a supplier to turn that napkin sketch into a thing. The danger there is like, yes, there are lots of factories that are happy to do that. They'll take your napkin sketch, they'll figure something out, they'll charge you a bunch of money and they'll make something. Problem is one, if you're not in the driver's seat on design, you're not in the driver's seat on quality. You don't like, they get to tell you what's good (laughs) because they designed it and they're holding the drawings. The next problem is you end up completely beholden to that factory because you don't know who the suppliers are that, that are their suppliers. They're holding the tooling, they own the tooling. And just to take a step back for those listening, tooling is the things that make the thing. So say injection molds that make plastics, dyes, punches, jigging, fixtures, that kind of stuff, which can be very expensive. And say, if you spend half a million dollars with that sourcing agent standing up a supply chain that you don't even control, you don't know who makes it, you don't own the drawings, you don't own the engineering, you don't own the tools, then when it comes time to scale up, say you're wildly successful, Ultimately, what everybody does in that situation is they throw that all away and they spend a bunch of money to do it again. And that process can mean that you miss your ramp. You might miss Christmas. You might miss your moment because you just can't flow product at the way you want to. So yeah, it's, you know, be in control of your engineering. And when you go to factories to get things made, hand them hard specifications saying, I want exactly this down to a level of pedantic detail that would be shocking to most people. Like the way the game works is that if you if your specifications don't say that something matters, then it doesn't matter. And if it turned out it did matter and it comes to you and it doesn't work, that's not the factory's problem. That's a you problem. Especially if there's 10,000 of them sitting in your <laughs> boxes, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But engineers can help you with that. Although engineers are a little expensive. But if you're if you're serious about making a go of a hardware business, then they are your best friends. That's incredible. And and along the way, people are doing this all manually and processing it manually. So give me because you must see what people are currently doing, like sheets of paper or Excel mm-hmm. spreadsheets or Google oh, yeah. Drive. What are they currently doing? And then what are you what are you replacing it with? Gotcha. So there's there's a there's a few layers. Yeah. So layer number one is product data management. So that's saying okay, managing all the released files. Mm-hmm that tell somebody how to make the thing, (laughs) right? And then managing kind of revision control and document control so that like as you design things, designs change, right? And making sure that those who you're ordering stuff from are building off the right designs, they have access to the latest thing and they know which one to work with and they understand what the requirements are is a whole job. Traditionally, 
that will be at the lowest tech level. You just send them attachments and emails and hope they store them in a good way. Some people will use Dropbox for that, where they'll keep a record in Dropbox of here's the current stuff, and they'll share that with their supplier. You know, there's all kinds of people that are running like SharePoint and other such disastrous old school (laughs) document sharing systems for that kind of thing. And then breakdown number one is even if you've got like a nicely thought out Dropbox system for your product data management, there's no relationship between that and the financial data. And there's no relationship between the financial data and your accounting system because the accounting systems, especially if you're running something more small business oriented like QuickBooks, is that they just don't have the data structure there to deal with the kind of financial data you get on hardware products when you're building them at scale, like price breaks and prices on different revisions and, you know, roll-ups and tariffs and all this stuff. Like there's just, there's nothing there. So what do you do? You've got your product pricing spreadsheet that somehow relates to your engineering, hopefully somehow, and then you're building your orders and then you probably are running an open orders spreadsheet that's trying to track where everything is in production. And the way that spreadsheet evolves is humans ask the factory what's going on on a day delay because there's a 16-hour time gap between Vancouver and China. (laughs) And then they update it and then they'll, you know, run a projection and decide if they need to panic or not or move some stuff off a boat and onto a plane. But it's it's just a bunch of people's job. You know, and in the case of the entrepreneur, you you end up 10, 20 years ago, or maybe maybe a little further back, like you would go from, say, your garage to a local shop where you'd you know make some more of that thing before you got into global supply yeah, chain mode. Yeah. But today the jump is garage to global supply yes. chain. There is no middle step yeah. anymore. Like no one is going and standing up their own manufacturing facilities. And if they are, it's maybe like some very final assembly work, pack out, and a warehouse. Mm-hmm. But most of the actual value creation part of actually taking the IP and turning it into a thing happens somewhere else. That's amazing. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. 
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. And so you saw this issue, or how did you even discover this was a problem? It was a, a two-stage thing. So I, my first crack at business was a little guitar parts company called San Rosa Innovations Limited. I you know, designed some guitar parts, one that made strats be less of a problem from a tuning stability perspective, and one that let you have a, a B-bender on a Telecaster, which is a thing to let you do pedal steel kind of country stuff on a regular guitar. Learned a lot from doing it, got a couple of patents out of it, but it's also a tiny, tiny, tiny industry. So if you sell one to everybody that cares, you might have sold a couple thousand units and then you're done. Um, so that was that. But through that, I learned all about how to be a fabulous brand, how to make, how to get people to make things that I had designed and how to have it not be a disaster. And then I stepped into managing a sourcing company after that and set about building the software that underpins Omne to automate that company. Okay. And it started running that company pretty much lights out. So we thought, well, gee, why don't we just make this available to other people and take ourselves out of the middle? Oh, wow. And then we started the SaaS adventure from there. Wow. And tell me about that, starting uh, a SaaS company from scratch, like it, creating a, almost a, a vertical or a kind of a world that no one's really even knew that w w it existed or that there was a problem. And you're, you know, what's that been like for you? It's been a, a big learning experience. So, you know, turns out taking a piece of custom software that you built for yourself yep. and making it a usable SaaS yep. product is a much, much, much more expensive and complicated process than just getting it to work for mm -hmm. yourself. You know, so it's been a you know, six-year journey from idea yep. to here. And we're, we're on the market. It's happening. We're not dead yeah. yet. We've learned an awful lot. And I'd say thing number one of learning is get more potential clients involved in the build process much earlier than we did. Because if you make it work for yourself, you will build in all kinds of eccentricities that are just for you. And then you got to go get rid of them after the fact. These are the things we learned. And for you, we kind of threw it all, uh, you know, explaining who you are, marketing who you are, you know, relationship with other folks. Maybe tell us about that, what it's been like kind of getting the word out. Sure. Well, I've kind of had to become a, an accidental marketer and that like I'm a, I'm a pretty shy, introverted guy. I'm not the most marketing oriented, but a big piece of learning from our kind of first crack at trying to take this to market is that if I can't sell it and it was my idea, then nobody can sell it. Nobody we hire will be able yeah. to sell it on my behalf if I can't do it. So you just have to kind of learn through the school of hard knocks, hopefully have a mentor or two help you out along the way and get a lot less shy. <laughs> Maybe tell us about kind of getting the word out and building partnerships maybe with other brands or getting others to, mm -hmm. to connect with you. Maybe tell us about some of those connections or relationships. So partnerships have been quite magical for us. Again, we kind of came to that realization a little bit late. But our, our most important partnership is with Intuit, who make QuickBooks. And what we've learned is that their partner teams kind of have two missions. One is, you know, drive growth, but also reduce churn. And they're keenly aware of all the reasons they're not winning deals. And they're keenly aware of the reasons they're losing customers to other things. And turns out, regardless of what your vertical is, if you go to a company and ask their partner's team, you know, why they're losing customers and why they're losing deals, they'll just tell you. They'll be very, <laughs> be very direct about it. And if you can explain to them how your solution will help them start winning deals and stop losing customers to other things, they will get extremely helpful very quickly. 
and provide you with resources and reach that you could never buy yourself in a million years. Well, that's amazing. Describe maybe more of the relationship and what's maybe what's come of it or what you've uh, seen. We got in on the QuickBooks Solution Provider Program, which is their system, which both includes their kind of consultants and accounting firms, but also their independent software vendor partners. There's some interesting eccentricities there, having both those groups in the same bucket, but I think that's a discussion for another time. But, you know, they've they've made kind of some of their social media reach available to us. They've provided incredible resources for kind of marketing and co-selling, and they've helped us build relationships with other people in their ecosystem, which have allowed us to build kind of multi-brand solutions to problems that mean that we can kind of help their customer base scale without ERP. So, and again, ERP is enterprise resource planning for those listening, which is kind of the big Leviathan, super expensive business management systems that you graduate to traditionally when you get too big for QuickBooks. The challenge with those systems is that they're very much designed around a good old fashioned Porter's value chain, which stipulates that you've got like inputs that feed into some kind of operation that is under your roof and on your balance sheet that does value creation with those inputs to make outputs that you can sell. But if you're a fabulous brand, then that's all inputs as far as the RP is concerned, and it really isn't going to handle any of that stuff for you, and you end up back in spreadsheet hell. So with us and a couple of other best-in-breed tools, at least for the world of fabulous brands, we can keep people on QuickBooks until they get pretty darn big. You know, if they're starting to lose people when they crack a couple million, if we can keep them around up into the 100, 200 million range with a couple of good solutions and leaving the GL where it is, then Intuit's happy, we're happy, client's happy, maybe NetSuite isn't super happy. That's awesome. That's not my my problem. And maybe tell us about that. Uh, Partnerships, any tips or advice for people that are going into kind of relationships like that, where you, you know, you find the win-win-win and kind of ways that you can support each other and help each other out? I would say... You know, openness is really important. You know, be very direct about where your product is. Be a little bit crazy about making the integrations good, meaning, you know, don't cut any corners so that, you know, one, the integrations are easy and they do everything they need to do so that you don't kind of lose people in the onboarding stage. And then, you know, the big thing is just don't be afraid to ask for stuff because you'd be shocked what kind of asks you'll get yeses to. (laughs) So just, I don't, I don't about be, don't be greedy, but be ambitious. That's amazing. And tell us about your own organization. Like, what, what do you got coming out of the pipe? Or what are, you, what are you excited about in the months to come? Or what, what kind of gets you jazzed and excited each day? It's a very good question. So we're, we're pretty lean right now. We're not a huge team. We're about eight people. I'm very much looking forward to kind of growing out development and sales as, as traction hits. But I'd say, you know, I'm, I'm very, very excited about the, the SKU Vault launch we're doing soon. We've kind of, we've got an integration done for SKU Vault and we've got the integration done for QuickBooks. And those two together basically mean that you can go from factory to your house to customer without buying any other software, which is pretty great. So that go-to-market is happening imminently, and I'm very excited about it. Now, where can people find you and find more about your uh, SaaS online? Uh, so omne.com, that's O-M-N-A-E for the SaaS. If you design stuff and somebody else makes it and that's ruining your life, you should check that out for sure. Uh, I'm at Scott.Leonello on Twitter, Scott Leonello on LinkedIn. I'm pretty easy to find. And so is Omni on all those same systems. That's incredible. Creating a SaaS company, nurturing one, growing one in kind of this uh, kind of ecosystem, Canadian ecosystem. Tell us about that. What is any kind of other SaaS companies you've reached out to or are you getting support from or what's it been like kind of 
in this time. So Vancouver's been a, a great place to grow up as a SaaS company. There's all kinds of talent in town, all kinds of talent coming into town. Now, when the when the big tech firms are hiring, they can kind of take all the air out of the room, which is a challenge. But they're not right now. They actually just laid a whole bunch of people off, which isn't terrible for me, selfishly. There's a remarkable amount of support from the government for startups such as ours. The, the two programs for people listening to look into are IRAP, which is the Industrial Resistance Industrial Research Assistance yep. Program and SHRED, which is Scientific Research and Experiment Development, Experimental yep. Development. You know, a remarkable amount of knowledge connections and direct funding available there to kind of get you from raw R&D to pretty close to usable product. Now, you're still going to have to pull in some money from elsewhere, but it, it certainly makes your dollars go further having that support around. That's great. This has been really helpful. Is there anything else you want to leave with uh, listeners and viewers? Not that I can think of at the moment. Scott, thank you for being here. Lots of great advice, stories, helps. I'm excited to see where the company goes as you continue to help kind of keep that flow going. I'm sure in a, in a time when people are wanting to make sure that they can get the product to people and get it made properly, you, know, you have a product that is needed more than ever in, in today's age. So, so happy for you. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on Marketing News Canada. We'll see you next week on the show. Thanks for listening to Marketing News Canada. For more episodes and other great stories from Canadian marketers, visit marketingnewscanada.com. All episodes are recorded in the Jelly Marketing Studio thanks to our producer, Chris Penner, and editors, Travis Jeffers and The Podfather. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.